obviously, yes, like the products itself, the brand itself, the service itself, whatever it is that you're selling is so important. But like you got to have something beyond that to like have longevity and like have something that like people can really like latch onto. Hello, welcome to the Active Ingredient Podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and this is your destination for all things growth. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Active Ingredient. This is an incredibly special episode because I have really one of the most incredible and special people in my life on the show. She is my right hand on all things brand building and my agency, Nude Nation. She also helps out a ton with the podcast. She is truly one of the wisest and kindest people that I know. And I am very, very lucky that she is my boyfriend's sister. So there is just like an incredible level of trust, of just a true respect and love for her and just everything that she continues to show up for herself for. And listening back to this episode and hearing her answers and hearing her stories, it's just my mind is just blown at being able to see someone's life just from the vantage point that I have and seeing it in like a family setting, in a work setting, in a new business setting, in a relaxed setting and seeing just like this beautiful human grow and evolve is just so incredibly fulfilling. And I just feel very, very grateful and blessed to be able to navigate life with someone like Megan McGuire, who is the guest of the show. In this episode, we get into her backstory and how she went from fashion to the world of PR and working with me at Nude Nation. We talk about navigating your 20s in New York or just navigating your 20s generally, not putting so much pressure on having to figure every single thing out now and starting to really get comfortable in your own skin. We talk about imposter syndrome putting one foot in front of the other. And then of course, in the second half of the show, we talk all things PR, strategy, brand building, how to navigate the space that's changing so quickly and so much more. This episode truly, like I have full body chills knowing how special it is. And I am just so incredibly grateful. And Meg, I know you're listening. You're just wise beyond your ears. So with that, Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. This feels like very surreal and like I'm dreaming actually. Like really you're sitting does. across from me, right? Like I feel like we're in a daze. Like I did not expect this for my Tuesday, but here we are. Me either. And like honestly, this has been a thought in my mind. Like it has. Wow. Because our Monday meetings, I'm like, this needs to be recorded. This needs to be like out there. Like they're so powerful. But then this morning, it just happened so organically. She, Megan's in a podcast that was going to be released before this one. And it happened so organically that I was like, you know what? Yeah, we're doing it. Here we are. Okay. So <laughs> Megan is my right hand and it's just been really cool to see your progression. And just like, I tell you all the time how proud I am of you, but just like the whole journey of how we started working together is kind of how this podcast happened. That was like very organically, like it, it just literally landed in front of us and we kind of just like had to roll with it. But can you give us like a little backstory on little Maggie and like caveat just to start is that Sophie is dating my brother. True so that. that is how you know that like met. not a lot of people know that. 
Really? I feel like it shocks people. Like people that work with us oh, in the no, industry. Oh no, it gets like a huge reaction. It gets a massive reaction. They're like, wait, what? No, like and to me, it's just blown so, <laughs> to me, it's so like, what? It's so like table stakes. I know because it's like been the case for so long and I feel like we just like forget it. Yeah. But so Sophie is dating my brother. They've been dating for like 13 years. So Sophie and I go way back. But I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. Oh, Went to Florida State. Thought that I was going to do fashion. Why? I think that growing up, like I was never really like super into sports or like I would try like different things. Like I played soccer for a long time. But I think fashion was just like the one thing that I was like always interested in. I wasn't like super invested in school or anything. Like didn't really do so amazing but fashion was, like, the one thing I think that I continuously came back to. Do you remember, like, what, though? Like, were there shows? Were there, like, businesses or designers that you were, like, gravitating towards? I honestly think, which now it's funny looking back because I work in PR now, but it would be, like, flipping through the fashion magazines and, like, cutting little clippings out and being, like, I love that dress. I love this dress. Like, literally, if you go into my childhood room now, I don't know if you've seen it, but on the door of my bedroom is like, I still have half of the door is just like tapings of little clips that I pulled out of magazines. You're manifesting without even like knowing it. Dresses that I loved. Yeah. So. Oh my God, Meg, I love that. I think that that was just like the one thing that I was always interested in. So when you went to FSU, you thought you were going to do fashion. I did. So I did retail merchandising and product development was my major in school. I interned in New York over the summer at a jewelry company. I moved to New York right after I graduated. I didn't have a job and I would literally be in Miami and I'd be interviewing for fashion jobs. And fashion is crazy because it moves so quickly. So they will literally call you and be like, can you come in for an interview tomorrow? And you'll go in for the interview and they'll hire you and be like, you start on Monday. Like, did you put a New York address on your resume? I did. Who's your brothers? I was using my brother's address who lived Specific. in Williamsburg at the time. But I was doing it for a couple months. And because everything moves so quickly, I would have to pretend like I was in New York and be like, yes, no problem. I can come in for an interview tomorrow. <laughs> and I See would tomorrow. literally book a flight like for 9 a.m. the next day. And goes straight from the airport to the interview. And I did that for a couple months. And at one point, nothing was happening. And finally, I was like, okay, like, I think I need to just, like, commit to it. Be here. Just knock out as many interviews as I possibly can. So I stayed in my brother's apartment with his best friend and finally got a job in retail in a corporate company and I did that for like a year. I was doing, it was like kind of entry level if you wanted to be a buyer is how I describe it. But it was called a merchandise information coordinator. And I found when I got there, it was just not at all like what I thought fashion would be. But I think my bone to pick with school is that they really don't do a good job of like explaining to you like what something is mm -hmm. in practice. I think I thought that I would be like at fashion shows and like, with clothes and like interacting with like styling and things like that, like more hands-on creative. Like you think fashion is the most creative job you can possibly do. Yeah. It's a business. There's like 8 it's million different layers. Yep. And when it, especially for a corporate company, it is very structured. 
I was on the computer like all day long, like day in and day out. I was in Excel. I was in like SAP. the fact that you were in Excel all day long, like Mind not blowing. to be whatever, like you're literally a baby genius, but like Excel. Mind blowing. <laughs> like that's crazy. And we were talking earlier today about how it's just so crazy that like you can live so many different lives in one lifetime. Like yeah. that person, it was such a short period of my life, but like that person like, I just don't even relate to now. It's so crazy that I yeah. did that every single day. But you have to start in some sort of, like, realm of something. And if your itch was in fashion, I feel like that is a good opening. Do you remember, like, I don't know if it was before J. Crew or after J. Crew and you were on a job search that I was like, I'm just going to, like, pull a decision pool for all, like, fashion. Th- I sent you, like, a list of, like, thousands yeah. of people. And I was like, here's a massive list. Like, just email anyone but not an editor-in-chief. I literally cold outreached, I think, to like hundreds of people and was just like, hey, like I live in New York. I want to work in fashion. I would love to get a coffee and like pick your brain, which like looking back so cringy because like <laughs> now I feel like whenever someone talks about what not to do, what etiquette is. Yeah, it's like that is the exact example of what not to do. But I feel like there was actually an era where it was fine. OK, so you do this job. So I do this job and it was just like not for me. Like I think I realized not even I don't think I could articulate it at the time. But looking back, I think there were so many key learnings from me for that job. And to your point, it's really like especially as someone who didn't thrive in a school environment, I think towards the end of my time in college, like I just knew that school was just not my vibe. It wasn't for me. And like I always told like my friends and family when I graduated, like, you could not pay me to do one more semester of school. Like, I was just so done with it. So I think especially for someone who doesn't thrive in that kind of environment, you really just do, like, have to throw yourself into something and try it out for yourself. And it's very scary because nine out of ten times, you're going to go through something that's not for you before you find what is for you. So I never would have known it otherwise. But I was doing this job. I, looking back, was not vibing with just like the being on a computer all day long. And I'm a very type A, like organized, structured person. So I would have thought that I would have like thrived in that environment where it's just very like cut and dry, like clock in, clock out, sitting at your desk all day. But I definitely needed something that was more hands-on, like more creative, more diverse. Like I always say I love diversity in my days and in my weeks. Nude Nation definitely gives you that. You literally never know what you're getting. A little too much. And I think I wanted a a work culture that was more like collaborative. I feel like I very much worked like in silo. Numbers, definitely not my thing. (laughs) That was a great learning. We're still hiring for that. Yeah, yeah, we're outsourcing. Yeah, we, it's neither of our strong suits. I'm actually curious because both of your brothers, they thrive in school environments. They love to study. They're really, really textbook smart they're also street smart but like they're very intelligent you're literally one of the smartest people I know too it's clearly like in the family but I feel like yours presents in a different way than your brothers do and even though they're in different fields theirs presents very similarly but in their respective fields how has that like been like for you yeah I always tell my friends like it's so fascinating to me that me and my brothers are related because we're all so different like my for context I have two older brothers My oldest brother is in the finance world. My middle brother is a doctor, literally working in the ER, like life or death situations, and is just getting people stabilized and then sending them on to the next person. And that like could not be further from my personality. 
So it is, it's very interesting, but I think it's a testament to your point of like people have different zones of genius and it's just about like finding what that niche is for you, like what lights you up, like what excites you and just going after that full force. When we started working together, you were starting to understand like client relations and like in the beginning you weren't really client facing and then like slowly, slowly you started to come into the client work a little bit more. There was a time where you had grown a lot and I was wanting to start put, putting you to like lead sections of calls. And you were like, I just don't think that this is who I am and I don't want to be doing this anymore. And now you are like literally just incredible at client relations. Clients really trust you. And I really didn't know what to expect. I was like, she's amazing at the, like, we can figure it out whichever way we have to figure it out because you're just so talented. And I really do believe that there's different zones for different people. And like maybe client facing isn't something that's natural to someone, but I've seen you like literally morph into someone who's excellent at it. And I, I just, I'm curious, like, do you feel like that is in your zone or do you feel like you're doing it because you have to? And this isn't to put you on the spot, but I just I see such a transformation and like you coming alive around clients that I'm curious what your thoughts are for someone who maybe right now is like scared of doing something like is it fear or is it just like not enough exposure? I think that's something we talked about a lot as I was starting to like dip my toes into it. I would always say like I it gives me like such a pit of anxiety to like have to do it. But I couldn't tell whether it was anxiety of like, this isn't right for me. And like that gut instinct saying, no, like something's wrong here. Or if it was just anxiety of like, I'm doing something new and it's going to be scary. And I think I really, truly felt like, who am I to be like leading a call? And I think a lot of like people in their young 20s after college go through this phase of like, who am I to be on a call with a CEO, a founder of a company and be giving them advice? And Megan Andrea McGuire. In <laughs> any like remote worlds like that, just like I couldn't wrap my head around it. So it was definitely like a lot of imposter syndrome and just like not knowing who I was. But I think... I think I'm someone now, like, as I get, like, more comfortable with myself and, like, know who I am and, like, am a little bit more at home with myself. Like, I now love to, like, try things once. Like, I'll always try something. And, like, even if it makes me uncomfortable, like, I love to try new things. Like, literally, we just decided we were doing this podcast, like, 30 minutes ago. And I I was like, sure, why not? So I think I really just like to try things out now and just, like, see how I feel with it and if I kind of just like put one foot in front of the other and say like, oh, I'm just going to try this and like see how it goes. I think something that a lot of people too can like get into trouble with or like it can kind of get like tricky is you think that you have to have your whole life figured out like right now. Some people just think like I have to find right now exactly what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I need to find the partner right now that I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. And like I need to know where I'm going to live for the rest of my life so that I can just like stop worrying about it. And like you think like once you have like these like things settled in and like in place, like you're just going to sail off into the sunset and like be done. And like you're going to live like a peaceful, anxiety free life when it's just like so not the case. So I think now like I really just try to like put one foot in front of the other and take everything like one day at a time and just gut check like every single day like am I liking this today am I having fun with this today is this something I want to do again tomorrow versus like putting this whole like pressure on it of like this needs to be it and I need to know if this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life or not 
How did you get there? Like, how did you get to that realization? Because you did go through a period where you were like extraordinarily stressed about it and like really wanting to like hone it in and like know what it was, which is so human. I've been there. I still go through phases of really wanting to like clutch onto that one thing so tightly. What made you like really be comfortable in that? A lot of therapy. I've been in therapy like transparently. So to kind of close the loop on my earlier story, I was at... I was working in retail and fashion for like just under a year, I believe. And at a certain point, I was working like such crazy hours. I was burned out. The culture wasn't for me. The work wasn't fulfilling to me. And I didn't get to see the results of what I was doing. So it kind of felt like I was just like punching in a clock. Exactly. And like I had no idea what was going like what the results of my work was. So it felt like this never ending race. And I never like had a moment to be like look at all this work that I did and like, look what it led to. So I left my job and I didn't have another job. I didn't have a plan. And right around that point, I think maybe like a few months before I was leaving, when I started contemplating it, I was very stressed out, very anxious, like 24 seven. Like I remember just leaving my job and being like, I can't believe I have to do all of that again tomorrow. So I started looking for new jobs, kind of just like putting out feelers. And you had just started New Nation. And I came to you and I said, hey, like, I'm looking for new jobs. I'm in between jobs right now. Like, I would love to help you out a couple of days a week while I'm interviewing. Even before then, we were just actually we were going to coffee shops. I was building New Nation and you were just sitting across from me applying to places. Yeah. Like in the beginning, that's literally how it was. Yeah. Then. There's a missing piece to this that I think is so freaking cute that you did. And I literally will never forget it, that you went and sought the help of someone that was I don't think it was a therapist that you went to someone who was a career expert. You're so freaking cute. I cannot even handle it. (laughs) That did like you did like worksheets and like tried to like figure out what those things. Do you remember what came out of that? And like, was it helpful? It was very helpful. So it was a career coach and my therapist had recommended the person to me which I'm very grateful for. It was a lot of like worksheets, exercises, like personality type quizzes. And I do remember that it kept telling me that I should be doing something creative, something like hands-on and something with like a lot of face-to-face interaction. And like in my head, I would be like, there's no way. I've always been like a very anxious person. And I was like, I think it's wrong. Like, I don't think that I should be But finally, you and I had been working together for a while and me and this coach had come to a place where we were like, well, maybe PR does make sense with all of these things that are important to you and that you value and that seem to be aligned. So we kind of just like gave it a shot and we both said, hey, we've been working together for a couple months. Like it's working really well. Like we're having a lot of fun. I remember before we even started working together, you like told me that you went to this career coach and you were like, basically, she's saying that it's PR. (laughs) (laughs) you're like basically it's not like can I help you and I was like yeah totally and I will say from my end and I want to hear your perspective because we've actually never talked about this like ever yeah like I had a massive fear of like this is my boyfriend's sister like if something goes wrong if like something doesn't align if like for whatever reason it doesn't work out I had massive fear around it but like the excitement and like the potential of working with someone that a I've known for such a long time. I know you're a good ass person. Like you're so hardworking. Like you're so loyal. Like all those things outweighed it. But like I, there was a massive fear for me in that. And I was also like, what if we don't have enough clients that can warrant it? All of these what if thoughts. And I'm curious if you had any of those too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we talked about it a little bit and we both said like, 
hey, this is something that we want to try. Family comes first at the end of the day. So if anything goes wrong, like yeah. we have to communicate with each other and like we'll move on if it doesn't, if it is putting our family dynamic at risk. But I think, I mean, I was what, like 24 years old. Like, I don't think I really understood like the actual depth of it. And like, I don't think I'd been in the working world long enough to be able to like understand. And I never worked at a startup before. I'd interned at a startup one year, but I don't think I just really like understood. Like, had I known maybe like how close we'd be working together and like how we'd literally be spending like every single day together and like just, I spend like, more time with you than I do it. with your brother. You're yeah. the person I spend the most time with in life. I love that for us. I know. It's like so fabulous. <laughs> I think there was maybe like a little bit of fear, but I don't think I really understood like the depth of it. Like, and I think had I known, like, I don't know if I would have proceeded hmm. with it. But if you had known working with me, like if like you're saying that, if I mean, known- obviously, like I adore working with you and yeah, like yeah, we yeah. have like the most amazing time. And I think it's actually been an advantage for us because we're so yeah. open and communicative with each other. But like had I known maybe like the risks going in, like I probably would have been like too nervous to do it. Yeah. Um. Like, I don't know if I would have done it like at this point in my life. But to go back to your earlier question, so I was in therapy Mm. for a while, and I had started working with you. I had struggled a lot with anxiety and just, like, work-related stress. And I think, in retrospect, I was so fresh out of school, and I had just moved to New York. None of my friends lived in New York at the time. I really, like, did not know anyone. I didn't have, like, true friends here. And I was just, like, alone, really, for the first time in my life. And I think I made up for that by just really, like, throwing myself into work. And, like, I identified myself fully with my job. Like, there was no delineation between, like, who I was at work and, like, who I was outside of work. There was, like, no understanding that, like, those two things can be separate. And that, like, your work is not your worth. And that you can be, like, a whole person outside of work. I just like took everything so seriously at that age. And it's so crazy to say like at that age, like it was literally like five years ago, if that. Yeah. And like when I was in work situations, like if something would go wrong, I'd be like, oh my God. And then this person is going to think this of me. And like, oh my gosh, like they know I made this mistake. Like they can see right through me. Like what if I get fired? Like what if this client like leaves the agency because of something that I did? Like I just put so much stake into every single thing that I did. And I really just like fully identified with my work persona or like who I was at work, what was going on at work. That I think finally it just like came to like a breaking point where like I physically couldn't anymore. Like I had really, really bad anxiety to the point that like I literally thought that I like needed to go to a program or something like it was just really bad and like with my therapist I I think I really had to like touch the fire to like I had to like get to that point to say like something's got to give like I've got to change I just couldn't keep living my life that way yeah. I was like I'm 25 years old it's like I this can't be the rest of my life like I can't like have this much anxiety like yeah. I can't have my whole entire life revolve around work like this for the rest of my life because like I won't make it yeah Like, it just wasn't sustainable for me. So I think therapy was, like, the number, number one thing. Like, I literally don't know where I'd be if I hadn't gotten a therapist. It was a lot of therapy, and it was a lot of just, like, putting one foot in front of the other. How did you find your therapist? 
I found my therapist, I think, just like through ZocDoc. Like me and my mom, I had talked to my mom about it and no one in my family had gone to therapy before, I think. I could be wrong. Like I would need to fact check that like with my brothers because I know they both now see therapists. If they did, like it wasn't really like something we talked about like Mm. too much. And I remember just like having conversations with my mom and like she would suggest maybe you should like look into getting a therapist because I was just so stressed all the time. So I think I told her finally, I was like, I'm going to look for a therapist. Like, I need help. And I very much lucked out. Like, I know a lot of people talking about, like, a therapist is, like, you need to, like, shop around and, like, date around. And it's going to take a few times to find the right one. And that's, like, something to be expected. (laughs) I found my therapist on the first try. Like You don't have to kiss too many frogs. You just went straight for the prince. If only that would happen, like, with my love life, too. (laughs) (laughs) You struck gold where it really matters, like, first and foremost, though. Truly. Like, yeah. you can't have one without the other. Yeah, you know? exactly. And this is the one that comes before the other. So. <laughs> totally. Good. So luckily, I found a really amazing therapist. And I've been going weekly, like, ever since then. So ZocDoc, like, don't underestimate the power of a good Google search. <laughs> you don't have to overthink it, like, unless you're going for, like, something very specific. I feel like a lot of times, like, it's really easy to put this, like, whole long list of, like, oh my gosh, like it's such a scary thing to do. And like, I need to do like all of this research and like when maybe that's the case for some people. But I think for me, like it's really easy to overthink things. But I literally just Googled like therapist in New York and put some First of all, I just out. have to say, I am so incredibly proud of you. Like seeing the evolution firsthand has been just, I tell you all the time, like the most fulfilling thing out of every single thing that I do. Like seeing you just like the way that you show up into a room, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you have boundaries for yourself, the way that you prioritize things like it's just so inspiring. And like, I feel like not a lot of people your age have that level of understanding of themselves. And it's really rare. And I just I hope that you know that it's like, first of all, it's definitely going to impact someone listening, but it's impacted me and I'm sure people around you. And I'm just I'm, I'm really so proud. Like, I hope you know that. Thank you. Well, at what point, like one, once you started doing therapy and really starting to kind of separate yourself from like who Megan is outside of work, do you remember points where you started to feel like, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm starting to really like understand who I am without it? Yeah, I feel like if I had to maybe like pinpoint where things started to turn around for me, it was actually I've been living in New York for I think almost five years now. My first year, I was living in Fidei, and my second two years, I was living in Williamsburg. And in both apartments, I was living with friends from college. And just because I didn't know, like, a lot of people in the city at that time, like, I think I just, like, would latch on to those friends, and, like, I would just hang out with them. And, like, I didn't really, like, push myself to, like, get out more and, like, do new things and, like, put myself in, like, different situations or, like, in situations to meet new people and, like, like-minded people and you know very well that I've always whenever it comes time for me to move just like every single people every single (laughs) like thing that you can possibly imagine is stacked against me when I move and I think it's like change this narrative because you're moving soon like the narrative is being changed right now I know well I actually I already feel like better about this move because like I'm like I was thinking back to it and like every time I moved before the apartment I've been in now I've been there for two years every other time I've had to move it's been like my roommates like leaving town so like I really wanted to like live with her again and like just resign and like yeah be like have a peaceful move like 
it's like been because someone else like decided to change their plans. And this is you, baby. This is me deciding. You are ready. And I'm like able to like mentally like go into it and say like these are the things that I want. I'm able to mentally prepare myself for it. Like I'm not like surprised or anything. But every time before that, it has been like a literal shit show. Everything is going wrong. And when it came time for me to leave my Williamsburg apartment, I was contemplating, should I just fill the room? Should I, like, try to, like, find a friend? Like, I really couldn't figure out what to do. And finally, the I found a roommate through Sweats in the City Facebook group. Like, shout out if you're ever looking for an apartment in New York. Like, that is the best group ever. It's so, like, chock full of information. I found my roommate who lived in this apartment that I'm in now to this day. She had already been living there and she was a couple years younger than me or maybe like one year younger. And the apartment is in Murray Hill. And it sounds so silly, but I think like living in Fidei and in Williamsburg and I have two older brothers too who are five years older than me. So I feel like I've always like identified with people that are like at least five years older than me. And just being in those two areas, like, I think the age group is, like, a little bit higher than my age. I had never really, like, been in a young New York area, I felt like. So I really just, like, pushed myself out of my comfort zone, lived with someone who I'd never really met before. I think that that move was, like, the best thing that ever could have happened to me. I got really close with my roommate. And I think in therapy, like, one trick that I really started to, like, put into practice and that was really helpful was my therapist would recommend to me like okay like what is like your dream weekend like what are like your dream friends like and I would always say like just like we don't really have any plans but like we're just hanging out and like we like it's a given that we're gonna hang out on the weekends and it's like going to the park and like just sitting there and like reading a book or like going to a movie theater on a Saturday night or like going for a long walk on the west side highway and she would like be like okay do that like, do that by yourself this weekend. And, like, when you do those kinds of things, like, you're putting that out there into the world. And that that's who you are. That's what you want. And, like, that energy will come back to you. So I think just, like, not sitting around and, like, waiting for someone to do the things that I wanted to do, I think just helped me, like, build my confidence, too. And just, like, trying new things. That's such a good insight from your therapist. It's like, enough with the waiting for the other person to, like, actually do the thing that you want to do. Like, just do it. Mm-hmm. I think that applies to any age, at any place in life. Like, I feel like we're always waiting for the when this, if that person this, in mm-hmm. this scenario, in this type of apartment, in this type of neighborhood. It's like you can show up at that neighborhood. You can show up in that city. You can show up in whatever theater, whatever it is. Yeah. Like we have the choice. And I think that we forget it a lot. And I do think that when you started to step into that, at least from my perspective, I think the move for sure, I saw massive, massive shift. But like owning the things that you wanted to do and just doing them, I saw it too. And I think that that just helped me like understand myself like more. Like I had never really been alone before. When I first moved to New York, I put my whole identity into what I did for work. And I think I was just like trying to like just like distract myself from like not knowing who the fuck I was. And I think for the first time, like I really just like started to know myself and like understand like what I like and like what I want out of my life and like what I want out of my weekend. Like what does an ideal weekend look like for me? Like what do I like to do like in my fun time? What do I like to do for leisure? Like what calms me down? What brings me joy? 
as I started to learn that more and more, like, I just think there's, like, nothing gives you more confidence or, like, self-assurance and, like, unbotheredness than knowing yourself well and just being, like, comfortable with yourself. I think, too, like, I kind of mentioned before that, like, I would spiral into these thoughts of, like, oh, my gosh, I made this mistake and, like, this client's going to know and, like, they're going to think so poorly of me and, like, then they're going to leave the company and, like, what's Sophie going to think and, like, what are all of these other people going to think? Whereas now I'm, like, obviously, like, things, like, get to me. There's always just, like, that blip thought and, like, there's intrusive thoughts and you have to, like, talk yourself down the ledge. But, like, it blows off of me, like, so much more quickly now because it's, like, I am who I am. Like, I'm still working on myself and always, like, pushing myself to, like, grow and, like, improve myself. But, like, the core of me, who I am, like, that's just me. And like, if I show up and like, I say something wrong, like, whatever, like, literally, I, there's nothing I can do. Like, that's who I am. Like, <laughs> I was literally I'm born obsessed. this way. Well, the way that you were born is literally perfect. And you're <laughs> so cute and precious. And I'm so proud of you. And throughout this evolution, you have truly become like this PR brand building maven. And I've, I'm so lucky that I've had a front row seat to this entire thing, but I am just in awe of you all the time. I mean, I'm in awe of you more so of who you are as a person. And I'm also just in awe of you of how you show up for our clients and how you show up for the things that like actually matter. And I feel like the people want to know, <laughs> oh my God, it's 423. Time well, this is literally how fun. mine and Megan's Monday calls go. It's like, we're literally <laughs> talking about life for like 80% of it. And then 20% of it, we're like, okay, we need to execute on these things. But I am curious, like your thoughts on the evolution of media, like what works, what doesn't like when clients are coming to us and they're like, we want press. What is your first thought when you are talking to potential new clients? What's your story? Like, what is the story like behind what you're doing? Like, what is the one thing that you want to like shout from the rooftops? I think having a very clear message and direction and goal with what you want to get out of press. I think you and I always talk about and challenge ourselves of like, as people who are so in the media space, in the social media world, like we follow all of the influencers. I watch so many YouTube videos. I We listen to so many podcasts. So I think it's really interesting for us to always challenge ourselves of like, how do we find out about new companies like new thought when leaders. we just like purchased this last product like we backtrack and we're like wait like how did we first hear about it how did we first hear about this new thought leader that we're like so obsessed with now and we're listening to every podcast she's been on I think it's it's really like like a message that you can connect with like what is a message like what is like the core of what you're doing and the reason like why you're doing it or like what is your story to how you got to where you are now that like people can connect with yeah. and relate to and resonate with. There's just like there's so much content out there. There's so many people to follow, like so many podcasts to listen to, so many digital outlets. And like I think now, especially like it's so inundated with product. There's like the sheer amount of volume there is with product is like insane that you really have to have like a story that people can connect to and like rally behind. Exactly. And like something that they'll remember. Yeah. I also really want to talk to you about your philosophy of less is more. And just like I feel like 
our collective way of building things. And like when a client wants the stars and we see the stars for them, like knowing the steps that it takes to get there. I feel like you're mm-hmm. the queen of this. Like if we want to jump the gun and like go pitch ink, we're like, no, actually strategically, like let's wait until this podcast goes live. And mm-hmm. then when there's buzz, we go pitch this like other thing. I want to hear like your just like philosophy on that. And for anyone listening, that's like they maybe have these massive, massive goals. Like what advice would you give them on like pacing or like just being strategic? I think I would say, I mean, to get to those massive goals, like you have to like put in the building blocks, like you have to lay the foundation in order to like put yourself in a position where we feel confident like we like I feel like when we're pitching press or we're pitching a podcast or we're want to send product to an influencer like we never want to feel like even like from the founder's point of view like you never want to like feel like you're asking like for a favor you know like you want to feel like you are doing them a favor by sharing your knowledge your client your time with that person your expertise with their readers with their listeners whatever it is so I think it's it's really about putting in like those building blocks and like building like a groundswell of buzz around a certain brand or a certain voice a certain founder it's really building that buzz I think and constantly checking in like saying like okay like now we've gotten like these three things I think it also like helps like when you start smaller, it helps to like really build what that story is and like hone in on the messaging. A thousand percent. I think that's so underrated. Like those first few podcasts that you do or the first few pieces of press, like really pay attention to if you're on a panel and like seeing the room or if you're like being interviewed by an editor on Zoom and you can see their reaction to certain things that are being said where they light up Like, those are cues of, like, how to refine and hone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And from there, we always say that we like to double down on what's working, cut back on what's not. Like, IOTA, for example, our body care client, we were just having a conversation with them where they won all of these huge beauty awards. But what really moved the needle for them was someone linked out to one of the beauty awards in their Substack newsletter and that drove like so much traffic to their website. So now we're doubling down on like a niche beauty substacks. Right. But like we would have only known that and like it would have only gotten there with right. doing something previously. So it's like it really is kind of like this trail. And like you said, literally paying attention to what is working, what is not. And I think that it's always that I would say like 80 percent it's that. And then also taking a step back to what you originally said, which was like asking yourself, how did you hear of this thought leader? If we've already gotten 8 million beauty awards, like, do we really need to focus, even though that's been working, do we need to double down on beauty awards? Or at this point, do we have enough? It's like a constant balance. It's nuanced Mm -hmm. because it's like if something is working, like a client is on pod, like you don't want to fatigue podcasts or you don't want to fatigue awards. Mm -hmm. So it really is like doubling down on what's working in terms of narrative, in terms of if there's a product in the product line that is clearly the hero or like if there's a part of a story of someone who's a thought leader that really like shines for other people and then having the again emotional intelligence to know when okay we've already gotten a really good amount of awards that can get us to like from point a to point b now this is the point where we shift and we always talk about shifting gears 
Like mm-hmm. we shift gears into a different arena that I think is going to be a little bit more top of funnel, you know? Yeah, I think it's really about like building a portfolio. Yeah. Like if I want to work for like Vogue, like I'm not just going to walk into their front door and say like, hey, like hire me. I want to work here. You're going to like build your portfolio to like get to like the top dogs that are like your North Stars, we call them. So I think just building that portfolio, building that credibility, like seeing what do people like care about, like what is resonating with people and really just like doubling down on that. And I think you and I are really big on like trial and error, yeah, we are. Big <laughs> which time. is it goes better for some than others. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think just like not being afraid to like try new things and like go with the flow and just being open minded. Patience. Yeah. Strategy. And I feel like Megan actually is really great counter energy to me because sometimes I'll get really excited about something and I'll be like, (laughs) let's do this immediately. And like, she'll walk me down for a second and be like, actually, like you have a very strategic mind. You'll be like, let's do that in a week from now. Like, let's draft it now. But like, let's do it Mm -hmm. once this is live. Yeah. And that's I mean, it's that's invaluable to like be able to think three steps ahead. It's like chess. Totally. Also, remove the ego from it. Like, no podcast is too small. Like, no outlet is too small. Just really try to be, like, open-minded and, like, know that there's, like, specific audiences for everything. And, again, more than anything, like, people connect with, like, a story. Like, you people gotta root have, for people. Exactly. And, like, you got to have, like, more to offer than, obviously, yes, like, the products itself, the brand itself, the service itself, whatever it is that you're selling is so important. But, like, you got to have something beyond that to, like, have longevity and, like, have something that, like, people can really, like, latch onto. Amen, sister. I have to ask you this question because I ask everyone. What is something that you know with every ounce of your being to be true that you wish everyone on earth knew? What comes to mind for me is, like, it's lighter than you think. You know, like, not everything is that serious. Unless you're a doctor and you're literally saving unless lives, you're unless you're my brother <laughs> and I know this from being around him, it's not that serious. Like at the end of the day, I used to get this speech at when I was working in fashion all the time. Like at the end of the day, it's pants and it's shirts. We're not saving lives. Like, and I just really try to like, whenever I find myself spiraling a little bit or like getting like anxious, take a step back and like remember like it's not that serious. We all just are doing the best with the information that we have. And I think just put yourself first, you know, it's lighter than you think. And your number one job like in life is just to like live the best possible life you can and get to know yourself a little bit better. And I think that that's the key to all of it. A thousand The more you know yourself, the more comfortable you're with yourself, more self-assured and like confident you are. Chef's kiss. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much for doing it. I mean, I, we're going to have to do this way more often. Thank you for having this was, me. I feel like I can go on and on. Where can people find you? <laughs> oh my gosh. Meg McGuire on Instagram. Two G's. M-E-G-G. McGuire. Two E's at the end. She's a private girly. I am. I am. I toggle back and forth with it sometimes. I Honestly, same. Like I never know. <laughs> like, I feel like sometimes I'm, like, in such a private mode. Other times, um, I'm public. I love it. Stream Kardashians. I love you literally so much. Stream Kardashians. Actually, in order to have a conversation with us. (laughs) No, literally. It's the first 10 minutes of all of our meeting. 
Thank you so much for getting to the end of the episode. And more importantly, thank yourself for choosing to learn more about how to come home to yourself. As always, take what resonates with you and simply let go of what doesn't. I would really appreciate it if you can give the show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen, because that's the way that the show will continue to grow. And we are all about growth here. I'm sending you so much love and I will see you next week.